Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Linda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio program. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and the title of my message is really Purposeful Giving. Y'all know usually around this time of year, I usually do a show about giving or tithing or something to do with giving. I don't know why. It just always ends up being the holiday season. So let's start with some verses. Second uh, Corinthians in chapter 9, starting in verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. So this means that we're not to give resentfully, not out of obligation, but with a happy heart, thankful for all God has done for us. Verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Y'all know that I gave my life to the Lord back in 1996. When I got saved, I sold out to Him and immediately set about changing the things I knew needed to be changed to please Him. One of the things I did was I began to tithe and give in to kingdom work. And to go to church, I had seen my mother tithe for years, no matter how little she had or what was going on in her life. So I followed suit. If one day you're a pauper and the next day you're a child of the king, should that not change how you live and how you give? When we meet Jesus and he changes our lives forever, should we not be willing to change everything to reflect our service to him? To reflect that we are now sons and daughters of the king? When we are a new creation on the inside. In honor of him and his great sacrifice to us, we should walk different, dress different, live different, spend different. If we do not change these things, how will anyone tell us from the unbelievers? I used to try to teach on giving about once a year. Whenever I taught on tithing, I usually got at least a few nasty grams from people who disagreed. That's okay. None of us like every message or every teacher, do we? You know, the two least popular subjects a Bible teacher can teach on from the Bible are tithing and sin. Nobody wants to give up any money and nobody wants to give up any sin, right? But I think we ought to teach on them anyway. For years after I began doing ministry, I mentored people almost continually. The Lord would send me somebody to mentor and I would mentor them. Then he would send another and another and another. And I finally begged him to stop because mentoring is a lot of work for the mentor if it's done correctly. Because God sends you a mentor when you are in training and that mentor has something that you need or something you don't have yet or an ability or knowledge in some area that you need it. And the mentor is like a spiritual mom or dad. They seek God to find out what it is you need. They cover you in prayer. The mentor monitors your progress every day, checks on you, corrects and guides you uh, forward in your spiritual walk. I've had a couple of mentors over the years. My longest running mentor was Beverly Wilhoyt. I had her on the podcast a few years back. Y'all probably remember her. She's pretty, pretty unforgettable. 
If she has any gray hair, I take full responsibility for it. I'm just saying. Beverly was my mentor for over four years, and she taught me things I still remind, remind myself about. The Lord always had me tithed to whoever my mentor was during the entire season they mentored me. Y'all know why? Because that is where I was drawing my spiritual food from. And the Bible says, bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse is wherever the spiritual treasure is. That there may be meat in my house. And that's talking about spiritual meat. The first thing I always taught anybody I mentored was about tithing. And the reason was not to get them to tithe to me. It was because I know when you start getting to know Jesus, you will suddenly realize that your life don't have the same limits on it it had before. And you're going to start expecting blessings. And... I knew they would start, you know, expecting to be blessed in big ways. And if they were not following spiritual principles, I knew they would not see very much blessing. My mom is the one I learned to tithe from. And even when she lived on a really small Social Security check, she kept giving. When I got saved, I began to tithe and give after her example. I want to explain to y'all a couple of different kinds of giving that are mentioned in the Bible, just so you have understanding. In case you don't, you may already know these things. I didn't, but you may. To give in general means to just give. Y'all, please forgive my voice. It's after 1 a.m., so I'm going to sound a little rough. To give in general just means to give whatever amount of money you feel like giving into work for God's kingdom or to some event or project at church or whatever. Or it could be what we call a seed offering. And a seed offering is when you say, okay, Lord, I'm believing you for a raise at my work. So I'm planting, I'm believing for a 10% raise, so I'm planting a 10% seed. And then you water your seed with your words. You just like go around thanking him every day. Thank you, Lord, for that 10% raise. I know you're bringing me that and, and I just praise you for it. And you water it with his word. If you have scriptures to back that up, you try to find the, the scripture promises. And that really brings the power into it. So in any way, by the way, that all works. To give alms. The Bible talks about giving alms. To give alms means to give charitably to the needy. Like if your pastor takes up a collection because somebody's house burned down and you gave into that offering because you felt compassion for them, that would be almsgiving. Almsgiving is showing compassion and mercy following the example of Christ. It is referred to in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 3 and 4. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. So the Bible says to not make a big show that, you know, oh, I'm giving $100 to the, you know, the lady whose house burned down or whatever. But you do it quietly and let God get the glory for it because he's really supposed to get the glory for everything we do. We, we are not do any honor or glory. Okay, to tithe. The word tithe means one-tenth. To tithe means to give the first one-tenth or more of any money or increase you receive from your paycheck to, you know, if you get birthday money, somebody gives you $100 for Christmas, you're supposed to tithe and offer on all of that. Um, one of the ways that we honor God by showing him he is first in our lives is we give him that first 10%. And tithing is an act of worship. It is done to honor him and show him that you trust him to take care of you financially. And I'll tell y'all something. 
people who are used to tithing, it takes a while to get into the habit of it. At first, you notice the money's gone, and then you just kind of die to it, and it doesn't bother you. It's just, it's like when you pay your bills. It's like, okay, here's God's 10%. Here's the money for the light bill. Here's the rent, blah, blah, blah. But people who tithe are going to have a much easier time in the time of lack that's coming. And the reason is because they have learned to stand on the assurance that, yes, they can give God his, that's his money anyway, that that 10% belongs to him, the 90% belongs to you, that they can give him back that 10% that's his and not be afraid because he's taking care of them every time that they've done that. To be a tithe, the amount that you give must be at least one-tenth, and it must be the first one-tenth. Otherwise, it's a different type of giving, okay? And it does not count as the tithe. And if you give your tithe to a person in need, it's not really the same thing because it's supposed to go into the storehouse. The storehouse is where the spiritual food is, okay? All right. Okay. Now, that means the first one-tenth you spend, you don't go to Walmart and get groceries and go buy a new sweater and then give God his 10%. His comes first. Tithing is found in Malachi 3.10 and also in Deuteronomy 14.22. And this show is not going to be all about tithing, so y'all bear with me for a minute. Deuteronomy 14.22, Thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed that the field bringeth forth year by year. So that means that, you know, you'll keep getting blessed. Malachi 3.10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. It's the only place in the Bible where God says, go ahead, try me. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. That's what I call the blessing too big to contain. And I have had blessings too big to contain, by the way, that I know were a direct result of the tithe. He's saying, when he says, prove me now herewith, he's saying, come on, let me show you. I will do this. I will keep my word. He's challenging you. So tithing was in the law of Moses in the Old Testament. But since Jesus fulfilled all the law, we are not under that law now. I do still tithe and offer on every sin I receive. And all my other increase in JPH also tithes and offers. Because I've seen what the tithe does. So I'm not backing down. I have seen over the years that if I tithe and give offerings continually, I'm never in lack. If you choose not to tithe, you won't lose your salvation or anything like that. You, there might be a lot of blessings that you know you don't get because you're not giving to the Lord generously, but that's between you and him. So I just know that he always shows himself faithful. And I'm of the, the opinion that how can I expect him to be generous to me if I'm stingy with him? And we are here to further his kingdom on the earth, are we not? Okay, so I'm going to tell you all a funny story. <laughs> I read this years ago somewhere. I don't even know where I read it. Um, this guy gets to heaven and they take him. To, okay, we're going to take you to see where you're going to live. And they take him to see it. And it's a broke down, rusted out old trailer house. The floor's falling out. The windows are broke out and all. And he's like, this this is my mansion. This is it, really. And the angel's like, well, we wanted to give you something better, but all we had to work with was the money that you sent ahead. <laughs> I thought that was so cute. Okay. You know, I'll lose my place here. I have found it over the years easier in really hard times to stand on Malachi 310 for provision 
more than any other verse, but that may be because I believe so adamantly in that because I've seen it for years and years working my mom's life. So I did take God's challenge and I tried a couple of weeks without tithing and, and then tithe for a couple of weeks. And this was years ago when I first hadn't, when I hadn't been saved very long, I think. And the two weeks I did not tithe, things started wearing out, breaking down. So I went right back to tithing, fully convinced. I've been convinced ever since. I wish I'd kept a journal of the details so I could tell you, but I don't think I was journaling back then. Okay, I want to read y'all a story. I know I've read this before in the podcast, but for the people who have not heard it, because this is really important. And this is a true story. This is, is something that happened back in October of 2008. When I was being mentored by a spiritual warfare, a couple that I was mentored by for a little while. And I was praying for a ministry. And let me see if I can find this verse. I don't know if I, oh, I don't know if I can. I don't think I can. Um, I have a reference here to Ecclesiastes. Oh, Ecclesiastes 11.4. He that regardeth the wind. But it was during the Great Recession in 2008. When I got this and I was in a meeting of this ministry where they were doing warfare and all this kind of stuff. And I saw the fear on the people's faces, you know, about the recession. There were a lot of people there that divorced other divorced women and stuff like that. And you could see that people were afraid. And then the Lord showed me everybody t- clutching tightly to their purse. And he said, if they regard the winds of change, you know, because this is when the recession was getting really bad and they do not. So he said, I cannot bring them out of where they are. I want to bring them out, but I can't bring them out. They're not giving me, you know, anything to work with. He said they need to proclaim boldly that all he has is theirs, too, because it is anything that your parents have is, is yours, too, to share in because you're their child. Right. All that he has is ours, but we have to make a call on it. And if they choose to believe the fear the enemy speaks to them instead of believing in him, then they will reap that harvest instead. What the enemy says will happen. Okay, let me read that again. So what he said was, if if the people, all the people that I saw, you know, clutching their purses so tightly in the spirit, if they regard the winds of change, and this is when the recession was was intensifying, and do not so, if they regard the winds of change and do not so, then I cannot bring them out of where they are. They need to proclaim boldly that all I have is theirs. And if they choose to believe the fear the enemy speaks to them instead of believing in me, then they will reap that harvest instead. What the enemy says will happen. That's the way he put it. It is easy to go sit in a church or go to a Bible study and hear about faith. It's a lot more difficult to stand in that faith when you have nothing, when you don't have enough food, when you don't have money to pay the light bill that's due tomorrow, when you don't know how you're going to pay the rent next week. It is hard to stand in faith and say, yes, God's going to bring it when you have no idea where it is coming from. Okay, and I am teaching on this, y'all, because we are headed straight into a season of very great lack. And it's not going to be for just some people. It's going to be for the majority of people. The only people that I have seen in the spirit that will not be in great lack in that time are the people who are ultra wealthy, who are extremely wealthy, like people who have millions. Okay. The rest of it's going to be in lack. So we need to understand these things. Okay. Because I don't want y'all to be in lack. I don't want y'all to go hungry. So it is easy 
to go and hear about faith. It's easy for you to sit and listen to me talk about faith. But y'all know me. If you've listened to me very long, you know I'm not just talking something I haven't walked. I've walked it. I have walked through wilderness after wilderness after wilderness where I did not have nearly enough. And God came through and he brought what I needed. That's what you call scary faith. And it is scary. It's terrifying to go through that. But it is so amazing after he takes you through a wilderness and you come out the other side and you have this rock hard faith that just nothing shakes it. Nothing's you're like, yeah, he'll, he'll do this because his word says this. And it's that simple. All out faith walks are generally for those who are going into full-time ministry. God doesn't lead just everybody into a wilderness season. A lot of people will turn and run because it is, it is not a fun thing to do, okay? I wouldn't take a million dollars for everything I learned in the wilderness seasons I went through, but I would not give you a dime for another one. I was out of work four times during the time period I lived in Dallas. And in Dallas, if you don't pay, you don't stay, okay? And you know that when you live there. If you can't pay your rent, they're like, bye. So it's really scary. Many preachers who preach faith have never stood in faith. And they really believe they could stand in faith because we all think that until we're tried. But when you walk a faith walk, you have to be spending a lot of time with the Lord. And you have to keep giving and sowing even when you have like nothing. You're down to just nothing. You know, you're down staring at your last hot dog in the refrigerator. And you don't know where the next package of hot dogs is coming from. And you're like, yeah, I'm still going to give $5 in the offering plate at church, even though I only got $6 left. If you refuse to tithe because you don't have enough, you won't ever have enough. If you sow nothing for a season, you will reap a season of nothing. A lot of times when people start tithing, they're confused because at first nothing's coming back. And I remember my season of nothing. I remember it. And that is because you first reap that season of nothing because you sowed that first. Then the blessing starts coming. You'll apply for the job, you know, a job, and you'll get the best job, and you'll get it at top pay. And somebody else will get something else. You'll get the better house. Your car won't be breaking down all the time. What most people fail to realize is the tithe, which is 10%, actually already belongs to God. That's why that verse says, you've robbed me. You can only rob somebody if you take something that is theirs. The only question is whether you will obey, obey by turning it over. If you don't, he lets the devil come and get it out of your stuff. And that's the part I don't like. And that's one of the reasons I refuse to stop tithing because I'm like, uh-uh, I don't want Satan in my house. God takes care of his children. I don't think that we can act like we're not his and then expect him to take care of us. We have to follow biblical principles if we want biblical blessings. Like I said, the law to tithe is not there anymore. It's been fulfilled by Jesus. However, I think it's a spiritual law. We're not under the law of Moses that says to tithe 10%, but I believe it is a spiritual law that still honors the promise of the tithe that the Lord will bless your socks off if you trust him that much. But, you know, if you th if you don't want it to tithe, you withhold the tithe because you want to go spend it at Walmart or you don't think you can pay your bills without it or you just don't want to give that much money to God. That's between you and him. Okay, I'm not saying one way. I'm just saying it's not the law. It's a voluntary thing now. 
But <laughs> I always remember the promise of the tithe that if in it, the original law said that if you did not tithe, that the law said you brought a curse on the other 90% of your money and it will go so fast that you'll be checking your pockets for holes to see if it fell out. I've seen money do that for y'all and I have no desire to live that way. Can I just say that? But y'all all, all got to determine for yourself what you want to do. Anyway, so what I wanted to teach you today was about several different kinds of giving and to tell you that we're not, we're called to give not to clutch tightly to our purses and be fearful about money, thinking that God will let us do without if we give. And JPH does tithe on every penny that comes in and offers on it too. I will not have it any other way. Even now, and y'all, I have not seen contributions go this slow since 2009 when I first came into ministry. I have never seen anything like this. It is scary. But... I have no desire to see the rest of what comes into JPH cursed. So I'm going to keep tithing and offering and just believe in God. So there you go. I don't. I have enough to deal with without inviting that. So yeah, I take God at his word. I know he can turn off all my income without even breaking a sweat anytime he pleases. And JPH is my only income. And I know that I'm breathing and working today only by his grace because I was told I can't remember the doctor who it was that told me because it's been so long ago. But when I had that hemorrhagic stroke in 2012, in late November 2012, that if it had gone one millimeter further over, it would have shut down my entire respiratory system and there would have been nothing they could do to save my life. So I figure I'm on borrowed time anyway, and I should be thankful for every single day, every breath. And I am. I'm only breathing by his grace and being able to teach you. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm so grateful for his provision and his protection. And that's also part of the reason that I, when I tithe, I also give offerings because I want him to see my gratitude. And he sees every time you give. Did y'all know that? Hebrews 7, 8. And here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them of whom it is witness that he liveth. So when you give your tithe to your church or wherever here up in heaven, he gets that. He sees it and he gets it and he saw that, oh, she gave this week or, oh, he gave. So every time you tithe or give, God sees that you trust him and he's pleased because without faith, it's impossible to please him. And God would have no benefit in you trying him and proving him and then not being found truthful in that, would he? He will show you he means what he says. Either way, whether you tithe and offer or you don't. His word is continually tried and always proves to be true. Every time. I had to tell y'all this cute joke. This is funny. Two men were marooned on a deserted island. And one man paced back and forth and he was worried and was scared to death while the other man sat back and was working on his tan. And the first man said to the second one, aren't you afraid that we're about to die? And the man goes, no. He said, I make $100,000 a week and I tithe faithfully 10% of my salary to my church every single week of the year. I guarantee you, my pastor will find me. <laughs> I thought that was so cute. He said, my pastor will find me. Yep, I bet. Okay. So I followed my mother's example and began tithing right away when I got saved. And I just trusted him to take care of me because my mom was never without a roof over her head or food on her table. And she tithed. She always tithed. Some people would get aggravated with her because she would watch TBN and she would send them their, her tithe. But that was her church. 
she didn't go to church outside the house. That was her church. And so she gave where her spiritual food was coming from. And that's the proper thing to do. And so I tithed all this time. And the only times that I was really doing without anything were the wilderness seasons. And those were for a, a higher purpose. So that was not a wrong thing. And it was the promise at the tithe I stood on through this. So at one point in that really fiery wilderness of 2009, 2010, when things were really desperate, I thought that I was going to become homeless. I remember him bringing me money out of nowhere. I had, oh gosh, I don't even remember what I was doing. I think the rent and like the light bill or something. I can't remember now. The details are probably in the wilderness book. But I went out to my mailbox one day. And I mean, I was just praying and I was just confessing that I believed him. I believed he was going to supply the needs and blah, 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 and all this. And I opened the mailbox and there was an envelope there. No return address or name or anything like that. I'm like, okay. And, you know, I get prayer requests and all different kind of stuff from people. So I took it back inside and I opened it up and it was a money order for $1,000. I broke out into my happy dance, y'all, because I needed that $1,000 worse than you can possibly imagine. I mean, it was desperate times. I had been on unemployment, which was only half enough to pay the bills. And then the unemployment stopped. Y'all remember they kept extending it. And then when that recession was going on, and then one day they just stopped out of the blue. We thought they were going to extend it again. There was no extension. I was like, how on earth am I going to pay my bills? So I had no other income, nothing, nothing, no savings, nothing. The savings were all gone. I did have savings. They were, were gone early on. And I had nothing, no income. That is some scary stuff. But God came through. He came through. And then when I got a job in 2010, because, I mean, it, I had no income. I had to do something because my landlord was like, look, if you don't find work within two weeks, you're going to have to make other arrangements. You know, because he didn't want to have to evict me. I said, I'll find work. And I said, don't worry. You, I won't be late on the rent and you won't have to evict me. I said, if I can't pay my rent at first of the month, I'll move out voluntarily. Okay, so I've never been evicted in my life. So when I took that job, that I miraculously came into in 2010, I went back out to my truck and I drove from over by Fort Worth all the way back to Princeton, which is an hour and a half, telling the Lord that I needed him to bring me gas money because they didn't pay for, it was like six weeks before you get your first check because it was a contract job in the oil field. And I was like, Lord, I don't have gas money. And I didn't, at that time, I didn't have a gas credit card and I did not know what I was going to do. But I was like, well, if he brought me the job, in a recession, he can bring me the gas money. So I'm praying and I'm just believing God and I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know what, you know, I'm, I'm actually not thinking there's, you know, he can't do that. I was thinking about, okay, now what am I going to wear to the job? Because I had no clothes either. It was bad. I want y'all to know God literally brought me money from the other side of the world from someone I did not know. I cannot make this up. From a young woman in China. In fact, we're still friends to this day. Shout out to my spiritual daughter, Stella, who's an amazing person. I love her so much. He brought me gas money through her. He just spoke to her to send it. She sent it. Whatever you need, God can bring it. He has children all over the world. He can bring it through. You know, somebody told me early in my walk with the Lord that money is the hardest thing for us to believe for, but it's actually the easiest for him to bring to us. That reminds me of a story. I think I've told you all this before, but it's a good story. I like to take my dogs places with me. I have two little dogs. They have their own seats, the back seat of my pickup, 
And I have a small elderly dog named Bambi who has always had a lot of anxiety, I think because she had to live the first year and a half of her life. And she's part Chihuahua. She's about the size of a, she's the size of a large Chihuahua from having to survive on her own when she lived in the streets and she was a little tiny little thing and with nobody to feed her or take care of her. And one day, months ago, we'd gone to pick up a grocery order and arriving home, I went to get her out of the seat to go into the house because I always take the dogs in first. As soon as I picked her up, she started fighting me, fighting me and kicking and squirming. She fights pretty hard for a little dog. And all I was trying to do was set her gently down on the ground so she could walk in. And as she continued to fight me, I tried to calm her down. I said, I got you. I got you. It's okay. I got you. And that is exactly how we are with the Lord when we don't understand a situation that he's got us in. He's trying to help us and we're fighting him, trying to get our own footing and trying to take care of ourselves. And the whole time he's saying, I got you. It's okay. I got you. That's a word for somebody. The Lord just said, he said, that is a word for somebody. I've got you. Stop fretting. I've got you. It's going to be okay. He said, he's got you. I don't know if y'all remember, but I recently released a new end times vision about the end of Christianity in America. In that vision, I saw that churches were all shuttered or they were abandoned. It was horrible seeing that, y'all. I can't even tell you how bad that was to see because it spoke volumes about what must have transpired between now and then. Where I live in the South, there's a church practically on every corner. I don't know what it's like up North because I've never been very far North. But when I saw that, I began asking questions. I was like, Lord, what happened? Why did they close? Why did they close? And I want to summarize for you what I learned about it. One of the things that happened was offense, meaning the spirit of offense made people get offended at each other or offended at the pastor or whoever. Rising prices. Violent persecution. And the fear of death, which comes with, you know, people don't want to be persecuted because they're scared they're going to be killed. So they just pull out of the whole thing and go back to not believing. Before the law came, I saw that many had been starved out. And that means people stopped attending church because of the bad persecution and the attacks on Christians. And few or none were giving financial support to the house of God. And so the house of God could not stay open. How will people come to Christ without any churches? And how will we stand before God and say, well, you know, I stopped giving because, you know, I didn't want to be persecuted. So I'm sorry about those uh, 2,000 souls over there that didn't get in because the church shut down. And finally, some of the churches had closed because Christianity had finally been outlawed. Also, in that time, some churches will go underground after the law is passed, but the people will be caught and executed for it because the penalty is going to be death. For anybody who does not know, and surely y'all know this, but just in case, for any, I don't like to assume, for anybody who does not know, tithes and offerings that you give at a church are used to pay building expenses like rent. They're used to pay, you know, utilities when you're sitting in church in the heat of summer in the south and the air conditioner's on and you're so happy it is. It's, it's the money that you give that pays for all that. Uh, so the utilities on the church and any other ministry billings they have, the salaries for pastors and staff, the supplies for services and Sunday school classes. You know, if you take communion in church, which we do at my church once a month, then that's all paid for with the money that you give. The Sunday school classes, those little booklets and stuff they give out, that's all paid for. Youth groups, they help pay for Bibles or Christian books for people who cannot afford them, help with bills for people going through a temporary financial hardship. 
uh, or the elderly or people that, you know, he can't pay for something important. And let me just interject here. There are people who are leeches in churches. Have y'all ever, do y'all have leeches in y'all's churches? There are people who are leeches who continually go back to the church with their hand out asking for more money and more money and more money. That is not the proper way to do that. A church is not there to pay your bills all the time, okay? The church is there to help when there's an emergency. If you can't pay your bills on an ongoing basis, then you need to find a way to be able to do that. So I just want to put that out there. There are other people that need to know that because I've met them before. We need to not abuse generosity like that. Okay, so if no money comes into a ministry, it eventually will shut down. That's what I'm telling you. Genesis 14, 17 through 20. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him, meaning Abram, after his return from the slaughter of, oh, I can't say this word, Chedorlamor, and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Shaveh, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him, meaning Abram, later Abraham, and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand. And he gave him tithes of all. And then Genesis 15, 1, After these things the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. I find it extremely interesting that right after he tithed 10% of all the, the spoils or whatever, they, if they killed someone in a battle, they were allowed to take everything that person owned. So they would like strip all the money and jewelry off of them and whatever and take their shield, their sword, and I don't know what all, but. So then they collected a lot of this stuff if they fought in battles. So when Melchizedek came out, Abram just gave him his tithe because he served the same God. He said, blessed be Abram of the most high God. So he was given praise to God. Never, ever give your tithes to anybody who does not serve the same God that you serve in the same spirit you serve him. Okay. This was, by the way, the battle when Lot got kidnapped and they took all of Lot's stuff and Abram went to get him because Abram was basically saying, not today, Satan, not my nephew. No, you don't. And so he went to get him back. That was the battle that this happened in. I want to read y'all something I came across when I was studying for this sermon that I have never noticed before. I'm sure I've read it many times, but I never noticed it. Nehemiah 13.10. Listen to this. I'm going to read you the NIV version first because it's easier to understand. And I perceived that the portions of the Levites, the Levites were the priests back in those days, had not been given them for the Levites and the singers. They did the work that did the work were fled everyone to his field. That means because the portions that people were supposed to tithe were not tithed, they had to go back to work in their fields instead of singing praises to God. Uh, the King James, that might have been the King James that I read you. Yeah, that was the King James. Let me read you the NIV. I also learned that the portions assigned to the Levites had not been given to them and that all the Levites and musicians responsible for the service had gone back to their own fields. Nehemiah 13.10. I never noticed that verse before, and I'm like, oh, wow, that is exactly what happens. So, okay, now where am I? I'm trying not to repeat myself, and I wrote this over a period of 
over a week. I've been working on this every day and every night for over a week. I'm probably going to teach some more um, podcasts that have to do with giving. And I want to share with y'all some really cool testimonies that I don't think I've ever shared with you of like what you would call miraculous provision that came to me. To me, it's not as miraculous because I'm so used to God providing, but they're really good. And I want y'all to hear them. And I don't think I've shared some of them before. They're pretty awesome. So Satan is working already towards closing down ministries everywhere. Right now, every single ministry I know is suffering a reduction in contributions, some of them very severe. The last two paydays, I have had to pull money out of savings to pay myself, my emergency savings. That's never, ever happened before. I started paying myself a paycheck in, I think, 2014 so that I could pay all my taxes and stuff. And it's never, ever happened before. So, I mean, it's bad, y'all. It's really bad when you're in ministry. But, I, you know, I've lived on faith for a long time. And my faith is that the contributions will be enough every month that I can pay all the expenses of the ministry and pay myself and keep ministering. Because I stopped working in 2011 so I could do this full time because that's what God wanted. Okay. Everywhere you look, ministries are in trouble financially. And that means... It will be up to us, to all of us who give, to support the ministries we want to still be there for us as these days go on and we go deeper into the end, okay? If you love your church, support it, or it may be one of the ones that don't make it. If you have online ministries you love, support those, or they may suddenly disappear because somebody has to create and record and edit and upload and maintain all that content for you that you get to listen to for free. So you have something to listen to. And in larger ministries, it takes whole teams of people to do that. And those people cannot afford to work for free. I don't know many, pe you know many people that can. Unless you're independently wealthy, you've got to have a paycheck. That's just the way that it is. And I'm not independently wealthy, I can tell you that. I don't know, I don't know many ministers that are. Okay, now I want to share with y'all a scriptural prayer that I wrote for you. Uh, for financial increase because I thought y'all could probably use that some of y'all I know a lot of you are going through hard times right now and I know a lot of you are afraid because we see you know the persecution and the hate rising against Christians and it's it's ugly if y'all want a copy of this prayer send me an email to wingsofprophecy at gmail.com and in the subject line in all caps put financial increase prayer and I'll just attach it in a reply to your email Okay, Lord God in heaven, I thank you that it is always your will we prosper even as our souls prosper. In fact, Psalm 35, 27 says that you have pleasure in the prosperity of your servants. I praise you that you rebuke the devourer from our finances and other things and the people we love when we tithe and offer according to Malachi 3.10. I am so glad you said you will supply all my need according to your riches in Christ Jesus, which we know are very great. And that's Philippians 4.19. As I have been diligent to obey your word and I have given careful attention to obeying your commands, I believe you shower on me the blessings so large I cannot even contain them. As I have honored you with my possessions and the first fruits of all my increase, I know my barns will be filled with plenty and there won't be any lack in my house. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10. Luke 6, 38 says, As I give, it is given back to me, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And I do give, Lord, and I am giving even more this week.
I know you are faithful to watch over your word and perform it, and you will not fail to increase me. I know you love a cheerful giver, Lord, because giving cheerfully, giving cheerfully, giving shows that you shows you I have faith and I will not be without. I trust you. Sorry, y'all. I got my I'm stumbling over my words. I had a typo. I trust you to provide for me and for my loved ones. I put my trust in you and your word, Lord, that everything is going to be all right. And I praise you that I have abundance and no lack. I know that if I plant only one seed, my harvest will be tiny. So I'm planting more and into good ground for the, for your kingdom. In Jesus name, I command all lack to be gone right now. And in Jesus name, I command the blessings to come now. And in Jesus name, I command anything that was stolen from me that the enemy took to come back now. In Jesus name, I command every valuable thing that was lost to be returned to me now. I praise you, Lord, that the thief cost, the thief caught must repay sevenfold. And I call in the sevenfold return on all that has been stolen from me. I know you will deal with the thieves, Lord. Y'all, I got stolen from last year. No, earlier this year by two different people that I thought were my friends. I know you'll deal with the thieves, Lord, so I'm leaving it alone. In Jesus' name, I call back to me every valuable thing and all monies that were obtained from me by deception with increase. I know, Lord, you do not take it lightly when someone steals from one of your children, especially those who labor for you full time. I praise you, Lord, that because I follow biblical principles set out by you for your children, there is now abundance and no lack in my life. I have more than enough at all times. You are well able to sustain your people and even prosper us in the midst of any economy. Lord, there are no recessions in heaven. And I praise you for abundance and no lack in my life. In Jesus' name. Okay, now, see where we are here. So, Abram tithed to Melchizedek. Why did he do that? Because he, he worshipped the same God. But why did he give the tithe then and there? Because he was offering worship and gratitude to the Lord for victory. He had just fought to the death against a whole group of warriors and he could have been killed. But God gave him the victory because he was a servant of God. The law to tithe had not yet been handed down when he did that. So he was not tithing based on law. Although it should be noted that in that time before the law ever came, it was a common practice back then for those who worshipped idols that were all around them. They would tithe 10% to their deities. But I believe Abram gave a a tithe of 10% of all the spoil he took in battle because he was so grateful that God had protected him and brought him through. And Abram worshipped God, not money. Because of that, God could give him more. He could trust him with more. If God gives more to somebody that worships money and possessions, they'll just get more greedy. So that's why he don't. They may get more, but it won't be from him. Okay. Can't read you that because I'll be repeating myself. And if you worship money, you will be willing to lie, cheat, and steal to get more of it. You won't think twice about sacrificing a friend or family member on the altar of your greed. I know people who claim to be Christians who do this, y'all. I do. And I think if they ever have to have open heart surgery, that the surgeon's going to open them up. It's going to be a big old dollar sign engraved on their heart. So I'm just saying. Another reason I wanted to talk about this today, I don't want to see any of y'all come down with that terrible disease that happens when you don't give. 
you know, the one that's characterized by fingers clutching tightly to wallets and purses for so long that they become hardened and they're attached. You can't separate them anymore. They become paralyzed in the house of God. It's a disease that's very mysterious because, yeah, you know the one I'm talking about, cirrhosis of the giver. The only cure that we found for it so far is to remove the sufferer from the Lord's house and take him to the nearest restaurant, especially if it's a Mexican restaurant. We have a great Mexican restaurant not far from my church. And voila, there you go. All the symptoms immediately disappear. So there is some hope. Okay, now. Okay, I told you all about the prayer. We need to give as we purpose in our heart. You know, and be careful if you make a deal with God and you say, Lord, you know what? If you'll do this for me, I'll be to give you an extra hundred dollars every month in the offering play, blah, blah, blah. You better keep your word when you say that. You better keep your word. If you make a deal with God, he'll keep his in, but you better keep yours too. Don't be playing with that because he listens and he remembers. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. I believe those two verses are saying, hey, don't be afraid to give as much as you want to give because he's able to make all grace abound towards you and you will always have more than enough. We all need to purpose in our heart to honor him with our giving. We are so close to going home, y'all. It's not much longer. We even have to be down here and going through all this stuff. He's going to start calling us home and we'll finally get to go live in our mansions. Isn't that cool? So for the rest of our time here, let's honor our king, the one who gave all he had for us. And let's lay up treasure in heaven that we can enjoy for all eternity up there instead of wasting everything down here. In summary, it's up to us which ministries are here to help us get through what we're facing. Until at last, none will be. But we need to choose very carefully who we're going to support. Because some of the ministries are going to stay open and some are not. And eventually they'll all be gone because everybody will stop giving. I think they will persecute so hard. They'll probably make it against the law to give it to ministries at some point. Because they want to stamp out God, y'all. And they want to stamp out Christianity. Hopefully we'll all be home with Jesus before that day when there aren't any more, but we'll see. In the meantime, we need to support the ones we love and listen to so they can keep going. I hope this podcast has been a help to y'all and I hope it gets you to thinking about this because you need to make these decisions. Whether you're a tither or not is between you and God, but we all are supposed to give and we're all called to give. Even the widow who had nothing gave two mites. And you know why she did that? Because she's like, you know what? God's able to sustain me, so I'm going to give this. And the the woman who um, only had enough oil and, and a meal to make a couple of cakes for her and her son and then they were going to die. But she stepped out one more time in faith. She must have been a real faithful woman. She stepped out one time. She said, okay, Elijah, I'll make you the first pancake. She gave him a pancake. She never ran out of oil or meal for the entire famine. God fed her for that one act of faith for the entire famine. People dying all around her, bodies falling everywhere, and her and her son did not die. She must have been so afraid before she met Elijah of watching her son die. 
because that would be worse than starving to death yourself, watching somebody you love starve to death. She must have been so afraid. She's like, well, you know, this is what it is. But then Elijah said, make me a cake first. And she took that one leap of faith, and it fed her and her son through a famine where there was no food. Her stuff miraculously appeared. Her, her cruise of oil would have been out long, long before everybody else's. And oil was worth money back then. It matters if you have faith and know how to stand for your provision. Because in the time coming, those are going to be the only people that eat. So learn how to believe God. And learn how not to be afraid to give. You know, tell yourself, okay, I haven't given anything before. This week I'm going to give $5. Next week, I'm going to give 10 and build up your faith because that is what it's going to get you through what's coming. When you have nothing else, your knowledge of the word and your faith in God, you get that faith by testing him, proving him and by getting to know him through his word and spending a lot of time in prayer. When there's no food to buy in the grocery stores, you better know him because it's going to get rough. Okay. He's able to make food appear on your plates. When you sit down at your table and you have nothing to put on those plates to feed your family, but you got faith, you can sit down and, he'll, and say a prayer. And when you open your eyes, be, the food will be there. All right. That's all I have for y'all tonight. I hope the podcast has helped you. And I hope it really makes you think about these things. Jesus bless you. Thanks for listening. Y'all have a great, lovely, peaceful week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address, JPH Inc., Glenda Lomax, P.O. Box 60, Glencoe, Arkansas, 72539, or by email at jphtoday at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination. Have you heard? The 2016 and 2017 messages have been published in book form. Even those who do not profess a belief in God can see something is amiss in the world around us. What is coming for our world in these last days? What does the Lord want us doing while we're waiting for His glorious reappearance? Time of Reckoning and Soon It Will Be Night each contain approximately 200 prophetic messages and visions from the throne room of God telling what is coming to America and the world in these end times. The Lord has always warned nations when they were headed for destruction. He has always warned His own people. Are we also being warned? Get your copy of Time of Reckoning and Soon It Will Be Night, available now on Amazon.com. Does your life feel like it's falling apart around you? Are multiple things going wrong all at once? Does it seem all your comforts have been stripped away? you may have entered the wilderness. Wilderness experiences are oftentimes of great discomfort and lack. 
Every Christian must pass through the desert on the way to their promised land. Find out how to go from surviving to thriving by partnering with God as He leads you in the path that will strengthen your faith and prepare you to step into your destiny. The Wilderness Companion will help you find out why you have been led into the wilderness. Find out the biggest hindrances to receiving the provision you need in the wilderness. Find out what the seven temptations of the wilderness are. Learn how to partner with God in His purposes for you in the desert seasons. Get your copy of The Wilderness Companion today. The Wilderness Companion by Glinda Lomax on Amazon.com in print, Kindle, or audiobook.